Thank you, Andy. Thank you again for those that are joining us this morning. I want to um, encourage you, if you're at home, if you are a, a family, to um, turn off all the other uh, voices, the other distractions, uh, electronic devices, TVs, whatever might be on in, in your home, and just gather. If you haven't done this already, just gather around uh, whatever you're watching this on um, as a family and experience the family of God this morning in a new, new way, in a new setting. But Jesus promised that even the gates of hell could not prevent the church from moving forward and being what God had, has designed it to be. And so even though we're doing this a little bit differently this morning, it doesn't change who we are, it doesn't change our, our mission or why we're, we're gathering. And if you're, if you're alone um, in a home or you're watching this somewhere, the good news is as we worship, uh, you can sing as loud as you want to sing. And nobody else, you don't have to worry about anybody else. You can just worship God uh, with all of your, your being this morning. So I encourage you um, to be together with ever, whoever you are with uh, in your home this morning. And as Andy prayed, um, if you are a, a husband, a father, uh, this is an opportunity for you to lead your family in, in worship this morning and the study of God's Word. I want to draw you back to where we began this morning in the book of Jeremiah. And we ask these questions, what should we be doing? Why are we going to do it? And how will I do it? Let me ask these questions a little bit differently. What does it look like to live by faith? These questions can literally take on a whole new significance, a whole new meaning as we walk through what God has chosen to allow us to walk through um, as a church, as a, a state, as a country, as, as, a, as, a, as humanity, mankind, as the things are going on around um, the world. What does it look like for us to live by faith? Ask that question of yourself. Ask it of your family this morning. How can we be known by love? What does it look like for us now to be known by love in what we might at least initially, so, and well, let's just be real, they do feel like restrictions, right? They feel like limitations. We're being told what we can and cannot do. But if we get stuck there, we're not going to be able to answer these questions. We're going to give up on this mission that God's given us, and we can't afford to do that right now. We need to be asking ourselves, what does it look like to live by faith? And how can we be known by love? So start in your home. Start in your family, asking these questions within your family. I don't know about you, but yesterday in my cul-de-sac, it was a beautiful day, and everybody was outside. And it struck me how this moment has presented itself to ask these questions in the context of my neighborhood. So start in my, in my family, in my home, and in my, my neighborhood. Some of you are still going to work because you have essential jobs. Some of you are, are home from work. Whatever it looks like, what does it look like for me to be known by love? How can I show the love of God to other people? And thirdly, who needs to hear my voice of hope? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and He has transformed you from the inside out, you are a voice of hope. You have a story, a testimony of hope. Are people hearing that testimony coming out of your mouth and are they seeing it in your life? Are they hearing it from my mouth? Are they seeing it in my life? What does it look like for me to be a voice of hope? Specifically, who needs to hear my voice of hope? Over, well, it's been quite a while. I think it was the fall of last year. Actually, I think it was a year ago in the fall that we, as leaders of this church, threw out the idea of going through the Gospel of Luke. This last fall, we decided that we would, in fact, in 2020, walk through the Gospel of Luke, and we would focus on bringing Jesus 
focus on bringing Jesus into focus. Bringing him so that we could see him clearly and share him clearly with others. And so in his sovereignty, he knew that on March 22nd, 2020, he knew the circumstances we would be in, and he knew that we would come to Luke chapter 8, verse 22. And so I want to invite you to join me there. Open up your Bible, open up your, um, your, your iPad or your phone. Join me in the Word of God as we read from Luke chapter 8. And here's, here's my question as we look at this text. We've been asking these questions. What should we be doing? Why will we be doing it? And how can I do it? And then we ask, what does it look like to live by faith, to be known by love, to be a voice of hope? Let's flip, turn the tables. What can we ask of Jesus? Or what can we expect from Jesus in the midst of what we're facing? If you join me in Luke chapter 8, verse 22, we read this. One day, he, Jesus, and his disciples got into a boat now, we know from other Gospels that this moment is because of a, a time of teaching and that he finished that time of teaching and he was teaching from the boat and from the shore of, of, of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee or Gennesaret, and he was in the boat and at one point, one this moment, he and his disciples, they get in the boat together and he gives them this instruction. He says, let's cross over to the other side. He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set out. Some of them were fishermen. They have a boat. They know what to do. They have the sails. They have the oars. They have the means. They understand what this instruction means. So they set out. They do what Jesus requested. And as they were sailing, as they're moving across this body of water, Jesus falls asleep. At some point, he lays down in a portion of the boat. He snuggles up, if I can use the word snuggle in Jesus in the same sentence. He snuggles up with whatever he has, his outer cloak possibly, and he goes to sleep. You see, God had come to earth as God, but he had also taken on a human body. And that human body that he was living in, he experienced the same things that you and I experience, including fatigue and tired, becoming tired. And so he falls asleep. While he's asleep, Luke records that a fierce windstorm comes down on the lake. It was a common occurrence. The storm would come down from the mountains and sweep across the flat surface of the lake, and it would tend to do it quickly. But remember, there's fishermen on board. They've, this is not a new thing. We're walking through something that's uncharted, feels very new. This particular storm was something they were familiar with. It had happened many times before. Luke says a fierce windstorm comes down on the lake and it goes across and they're being swamped. It means that water is splashing up over into the boat. And there's a certain amount of water any kind type of boat can handle before it sinks. But there is a, there's a breaking point. And the breaking point is when there's a sense of we're being swamped. We're being overwhelmed. Has the word overwhelmed been in your thinking at all over the last couple of days or weeks? As the news changes every day, the requests, the orders, the dictates, the different things that are happening, the reports of other parts of the world, there's these moments where it just feels like we're being swamped with all that's happening. In their case, they were literally being swamped with water. The boat was reaching its breaking point. They were being swamped and they were in danger. In danger of what? They were in danger of drowning, of sinking in the middle of this lake and losing their lives. And they came and they woke, up, woke him up. They woke up who? They woke up Jesus, right? He's the one that's sleeping. And they go and they wake him up and they say, Master, Master, we're going to die. We're going to die. I think this is a significant moment for us to pause in the text because it, it, it helps us understand what they're thinking is what their emotions are. 
The only outcome from this storm in their minds is what? We're going to die. That's the only possible outcome. We're, we're in a set of circumstances that we no longer control. The, 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 the moment of using their skills as fishermen that were part of the group, it, it's, it's gone past that. Everything they knew what to do hasn't worked. What they're facing is now overwhelming them. They are being swamped, and they've concluded that the only possible outcome of this moment is that they're going to die. There's no hope. So they go to Jesus, they wake him up, they make this proclamation, we're going to die, and he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the raging waves. Did you catch that? He rebukes the wind and the raging waves. He tells the waves to be quiet, to be still. He tells the storm to stop. And what's the result? You might want to mark this in your Bible, highlight it, underline it. There was a calm. There was a calm in a, in a heartbeat, the, the circumstances, the storm that these disciples were in went from being swamped, overwhelmed, and the only possible outcome is we're going to die to a calm, to a quiet, to a silence. Let me, let me encourage you to just jot down a couple of things, some conclusions, some principles, if you will, from this text. The first one is that Jesus is present in the storm. Don't miss it. I, it's, it's very easy for me, and maybe you can, you can agree with me that you've experienced this too. It's very easy for me to judge the disciples, to look at the disciples and say, hello, there he is, he's right there in the boat, and yet they missed him. They didn't see him. But before I judge them too harshly, I have to confess that there's moments when I've been in a swirling set of circumstances, a storm where I'm feeling swamped, and my conclusion is the only outcome of this moment is going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And where's Jesus? He's right there. He's right there. He's not drawing attention to himself. He's not screaming at me. He's not hitting me with a two-by-four. He's there. He's at peace. But he's present. He hadn't left them alone in the storm. Jesus is present in our storm. Number two, Jesus is never afraid or overwhelmed by the storm. That almost feels strange for those of us that have known Jesus for a long time and walked with him to even let something like that come out of our mouth, that Jesus is afraid. But based upon our, our, the, way, the choices we make and the way we live our lives, I think that is the conclusion that we come to sometimes. That somehow Jesus is overwhelmed. He's feeling swamped by what's happening in our world. And we project that onto him because that's how we're feeling. I'm feeling overwhelmed and swamped. And so Jesus has to be. And yet where is Jesus in the storm? He's at peace. He's resting. He's not freaking out. He's not swamped. He's probably a little wet. Or more wet than he was before. But he's sleeping. He's resting. Jesus is never afraid of the storm that we're walking through. And thirdly, Jesus, and I say it this way on purpose because I've heard people say this in my life. Maybe you've heard this too. You're not the boss of me. You ever heard somebody say that to you? Or maybe you've said it to somebody else. Jesus is the boss of the storm. He's the boss of the storm. He's present in the storm. He's not overwhelmed, swamped, or afraid of the storm. In fact, he is the boss of the storm. And he, and he doesn't have to tell the, the, the disciples, okay, tie that down, fix that, get the oars in the water, We're gonna, I'm going to help you get to shore. He just simply says, stop what you're doing to the storm. And the storm obeys him. 
Think about that. Think about the circumstances that you and I are walking through, how it's affecting you, your job, your, your income, your, your security, your health, your relationships, your, your sense of, of community, all those things that might be impacted by the, the set of circumstances, the effects of the storm that we're walking through and all Jesus has to do. Because we're asking, when's it going to end? Anyone else? Raise your hand at home, you know, and just look around. Anyone else asking, when is this going to be done? How long are we going to be on lockdown, shelter in place? How long is the, 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 the effects of the economy going to happen or are going to continue what's happening? When is it going to end? And you're thinking and asking those questions are great questions, they're valid questions. I don't think God's intimidated by those questions at all. But don't forget that Jesus is the boss of the storm. And when Jesus says, stop, be calm, be still, what's going to happen? The storm is going to become calm because he's the boss of the storm. In this text, if we read a little bit further, the, the storm is calm, it's ceased, and Jesus turns to his disciples. And I, and I don't know if you're going to be able to see this on, uh, on camera, but um, Pastor Jeff gave me this book from the children's ministry. I, I'm pretty sure you won't be able to see it, but it's, so it's more for my benefit. But this, this book walks us through the storm that stopped when Jesus commanded it to. And I love this particular page where all the, there's even a guy up on the mast and they're all freaking out in the boat and they're yelling, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care? What's going on? How come you're not doing something? I love that because I think I would be <laughs> in that crowd right there. This plays out, the storm is calmed and then Jesus turns to that group and he turns to us and he says this, Where's your faith? Where's your faith? The, the, the reality is, and we're no different than them, let's just admit that, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of all the swirling, in the midst of the swamping that's going on, in the midst of the boat starting to sink, in, in, in the moment where we just conclude that we're going to die, there's no way this can be repaired or fixed, where's Jesus? He's right there. He hasn't hidden himself. And yet, just like them, we would likely have not even seen him. In the midst of these moments, we are drawn to, because we're people of senses, right? What we see, hear, touch, feel. And what I see can override what I know to be true. God's abandoned us. Uh, we're, on this, we're, we're in this on our own. Somehow he's overwhelmed by what's happening and I forget that he is the boss of the storm. And Jesus pulls that all back in by simply saying, where's your faith? Where's your faith? I know we're in a storm. I know, but, but did I not just remind you of something you already knew? Who I am? And yet you seem to forget that. Where is your faith? Jesus wanted his disciples, Jesus wants us, you and me, to know how the storm that we're in is impacting our faith and shaping our view of him. Just going to be real, going to be honest. The reality is the longer we walk through a storm, the longer the, or the more water that's in the boat, the more clearly it seems that we're going to sink by what we see, what we're experiencing. Our faith is impacted by that. And if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, it's going to shape how we see God. Some will conclude that God's not present. Others will conclude that 
God's afraid, God's overwhelmed, God can't handle, this is too big for him. Others might conclude or lean towards that he's maybe not as powerful as we thought. Maybe he's not the boss of this storm like he was for David. Where's your faith? He knows where their faith is. He wants them to know. He asked this question for their benefit, for my benefit, for your benefit. Kurt, where is your faith? When you wake up in the morning, when you lay down at night, when you go through the day, all the changes to your, to your circumstances, the changes to your, your checkbook and your bank account, the changes to your health, the changes to your relationship, the storm is swirling all around you. Where is your faith? What he's asking is the direction of our faith. Where are you going to place your faith? See, the disciples did not see him clearly. They did not recognize who he was. Andy prayed a few minutes ago, if you don't know who Jesus is, I want to go back to that thought. If you don't understand what we're talking about, if, if Jesus is, is somebody that you've heard the name, Jesus is a, a, a teacher, Jesus is a, a, a guy who lived 2,000 years ago, and, and, and I've heard that he, he was crucified by the Romans and he was buried, and then I've heard too at Easter that Christians celebrate the resurrection of him, that he didn't, he, after he died, he rose back from the dead, and he claims to be alive at the right hand of the Father, and he claims to offer himself as a substitute for us or he claims to have offered his life to pay for our sin because he had no sin to pay for he was God in the human form and he was perfect without sin and he died because the wages of sin is death he died for the wages of my sin if you've heard that or maybe you haven't heard all of that what, what do you do with that well Jesus is asking you where's your faith is your faith in your job? Is your faith in your, your pension? Is your faith in, in your expertise? Is your faith in, in yourself? Do you have faith in nothing? Is your faith in government? Jesus is asking each of us, and if you don't know him, he's asking you specifically, where's your faith? And in that question, he's also making you an offer that if you'll put your faith in me, if you will trust in me, I will take care of you. I will rescue. I'll set you free from the penalty of sin, the consequences of your sin. He would ask you first maybe, do you know that you're a sinner? Do you understand that you're broken? That sin has, has, has it, it taints everything you try to do for good. All of your best efforts fall short because something is wrong. And you find yourself doing the things that you know you shouldn't and you're attracted to things that you know you shouldn't be attracted to and you plan and you try and you try and yet everything kind of eventually just falls apart. Relationally, occupationally, all aspects of our life. Jesus is saying, that's sin. That's sin in your life, and I want to set you free from that. This question to you is, where is your faith? If you'll put your faith in me. There's a man named the Apostle Paul, and he wrote in a letter to the church in Rome. He said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, that he's God, that he's your God, and you believe in your heart that the Father raised him from the dead, that he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. If you'll confess that and believe that, then you enjoy the consequences of that. You experience forgiveness, mercy, grace, a new life. If you'll put your faith in him, say, well, I'm kind of there, and I'm kind of thinking about that because of all the trouble in the world. That's okay. This is a perfect time. There's no better time than to cry out to God and say, God, 
I don't even know exactly how to say this, but I, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I have fallen short, and I know I can't make it through the storm on my own. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to experience life in you. I want to be forgiven for my sin. And I want a relationship with you through this life and for all of eternity, because that's the promise. It's not just for this life. It's for this life and the one after. Where is your faith? I, I love that the Bible is real. Because I, I think it helps us put ourselves in the boat. It helps me put myself in the boat. Jesus asked this profound question. Where's your faith? Nobody answers him. The disciples don't seem to have a, an answer. Maybe they were talking to each other. Maybe they were arguing. But the next thing that Luke records is that they were still fearful and amazed. So they've got this weird mix of emotion. Anybody else feeling that right now? Kind of a weird mix of emotions. Maybe there's some fear. Maybe there's some anxiety. Maybe there's some worry. But there's also a sense of, wow, God is still on the throne. God is still moving. God is still sovereign. The songs that we sang this morning, those are still true. That's still who we are. Nothing's changed. And so I've got this, this fear and anxiety, but I've got this hope and confidence in God. And Luke says they were fearful and amazed. They were impacted by what they just witnessed. And so they looked at each other. They were fearful and amazed and they asked each other, who can this be? I thought he was our rabbi. I thought he was our, he, he's a carpenter's son from Nazareth. And we've seen him do a few things and, he, and he's made some claims. And, and I thought this and I think this, but what I just saw, you saw it? Yeah, you, yeah we all saw it. Who is this guy? Who can this be? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. You see, Jesus is present in the storm. I want to remind you of this. I need to remind myself. Jesus is never afraid of the storm. He's never afraid in the storm. He's asleep, at rest, confident in the storm. And no matter how bad the storm gets, he will always be the boss of the storm. He will always be able to command the storm. He commands even the winds and the waves, and the disciples are fearful and amazed, and they're asking themselves, who can this be? Can I encourage us to ask this question of ourselves now in the storm that we're in? Where is my faith? That's Jesus' question. A question that only you can answer, that I can answer for me. Where is my faith? Well, some might say, well, it was kind of in the stock market because I was making money there. It was kind of in my job because I was providing for my needs. It was, it was if I acknowledge, it was kind of in, you know, I got a house and, and you know, and, and I got clothes and, and we got grocery stores on every corner and, you with me? If we're honest, that might be where we go. Where is my faith? Those things have been shaken to their core so where's my faith? I think Jesus is asking you and me this question. Where is my faith? And based on what the disciples question, taking their question, we need to ask ourselves, who do I believe Jesus to be? Who do I believe Jesus to be? I encourage you, wherever you are, if you're by yourself, ask yourself that question. Have a conversation with God through the Holy Spirit. If you do not know Jesus, ask yourself that question. Who do I believe Jesus to be? If you are a family gathered in a living room, have a, have a conversation. If not in this moment, in a few moments, don't just disperse and go back to your, your Sunday routine in life. Ask yourselves, listen to each other. Who do we believe Jesus is? It's the critical question that the answer We'll provide answers to all the questions that we started with. What are we going to do with our life? Why are we going to do it? How am I going to do it? 
The, the question, what does it look like to live by faith, is going to be answered by how I answer this question. The question, what does it look like for me to, to show love to others, is going to be answered by this question. And who in my life needs to hear a voice of hope, and what will that voice of hope look like, is going to be answered by this question. Who do I believe Jesus to be? In Jeremiah chapter 17, oh, by the way, I meant to say this at the beginning. These are on, these are on the webpage. And we're going to look at the webpage in a few minutes and you'll see where that's at. But um, Jeff, Pastor Jeff has put some tools on there for our children and for you as a family to use those. And there's some questions on here that you're going to want to answer after we finish this morning. What did I learn about God today? Things my pastor or teacher said about God today. Something I can do this week related to what I learned about who God is today. Who do I believe Jesus to be? And in connection with that, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, we read this. The man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is in the Lord. Doesn't that tell us who the reader believes Jesus to be, believes God to be? The man who trusts, he's the one to be trusted. The man who trusts in the Lord, the one whose confidence indeed is in the Lord. The Lord is the boss of every storm. We can be confident of that. That man, that person is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out towards a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, a drought. Its foliage remains green. It will not worry about a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Why is this tree so different than most trees? We've experienced drought recently here in California. And if you even go up 80 or up 50, you see a massive number of of trees in the forest that have died they didn't make it through those, those years of drought. Here we're told a tree can make it through a time of drought, can make it through a time of dif- difficulty, make it through a storm. But how? By having deep roots that are rooted and moving towards the source of life. For the tree, it's water. For you and me, it's Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit of God living in us. If you don't know Jesus, you say, oh, I want roots like that. I want to connect to that. It's Jesus Christ. He is the source of life. You want to be planted in Him. I found, a, I, well, I read and I found a quote, I pulled a quote out from a, a message that um, C.S. Lewis, Lewis preached in 1939 when war, World War II was on the brink and um, he was preaching at Oxford a message and, and I'm not going to read you the whole message, don't worry, but there's a quote that jumped out at me, a, a, a paragraph in this message. He said this, he says, what does war, in their case, or the coronavirus, this storm, do to death? How does it affect death? It certainly does not make death more frequent, right? Because 100% of us will die, and the percentage cannot be increased. It can certainly put several deaths earlier together, but I hardly suppose that that is what we fear. War does do something to death. It forces us to remember it. War makes death real to us. The coronavirus, what we see happening in Italy... Yes, it makes death real. And that, hear this, that, this reality of death, being aware that death is real, that would have been regarded as one of the blessings by most of the great Christians of the past. What is he challenging us with? He's saying we need to, as followers of Jesus, live with the reality that one day we're going to die. That should shape how I live. It should not cause me to be afraid of the future, afraid of death, because in Christ I know what death means for me. 
It should cause us to live with the reality, the urgency that every day, every hour matters. One of the things that God is already doing in this set of circumstances is He is stirring in us a remembrance of what is truly important. And the fact that you are sitting with your family right now around on Sunday morning, around a computer or TV or or whatever you're watching on, you are together as a family or as an individual or as a couple, you're focused on God's Word, you're focused on worshiping Him, you're focused on being together. It's going to shape us. And when we're done this morning, what you do next needs to be shaped by the reality of what we're facing and what is important from God's perspective. Some of you know this name, Martin Luther. Martin Luther wrote this. They were facing a plague in his day. And he wrote this in a letter to his friend, Dr. Hess. He said, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. This is about 500 years ago. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take medicine. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. Any of this sound familiar? If God would, should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See this as such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and it does not tempt God. What I love about that, that attitude, that quote from him, is that it doesn't change what God has called us to be. It hasn't changed our identity, the storm that we're in. Whatever you know to be true about God is still true. Whatever you know to be true about or clear about His mission for you, for us, remains the same. How we plays out, how it plays out, how we live it is going to look a little different. But the mission remains the same. I want to, I want to help us provide some practical steps that we can take. And so I want to walk us through some things this morning and um, my understanding is that this, will, this is live now, but it will be available for viewing in the future, so you can come back to this if you miss some of these. But you're going to see um, some slides, you're going to see some bullet points that I want to, to walk us through. And I'm going to frame it in the, the words that are behind me. How do we stay engaged moving forward this week? We have no idea how long this is going to go on or what it's going to look like or how it's going to change. And so I want us to be asking these four questions along with the ones we've already started with, because they're all interrelated. What does it look like for us to stay engaged this week? What are some things that we can do? First of all, pray for one another. Pray for one another. Go to the website. We'll, we'll go to the website in just a minute, and we'll walk through that. But you'll see on the website there's a button that you can, you can go there, and you can share. I, well, I don't want to go there yet. Hold on, because I'll confuse you. But let me just say, pray for one another. There's some practical, intentional ways that you can do that. And we will have a list of prayer concerns on the website as that builds. And so go, you're going to want to go to the website for those prayer concerns. Pray for one another. Number two, fill out the help request form on our website. Again, we'll go there in a minute. We'll see that. In fact, you know what? Let's do this. Can we bring the website up? I'm going to go off, off uh, track here for just a second. Um, but if you go to the website, you'll see some big, big buttons there. Um, And you should see this on your screen now. You'll see there's a request button. So if you click on that request button, 
then it takes you to a place where you can fill in some basic information. You can, um, actually, I'm sorry, let me go back because that's for help. Let me go back. This is why we're doing this. Where's the prayer? Okay, we're going to learn this together. Bottom right, how could, where it says prayer, that makes perfect sense. So if you look at the connect button, how can we pray for you? Go there, you'll see that um, we ask you for an email, um, your name. There's a comment section there that says, here's, how, here's where you put in how you would like to be prayed for. And let me encourage you to do this. We'll, we'll adjust this form so that it reflects this. But right now in that box it says comment. Let us know if you want this to go to the prayer team and the leadership only, or if you want it to go to the whole church family. If you want it to go to the whole church family, we will build those, a list of those requests on the website that everybody will be able to see. If you want your need to just go to our prayer team and our elders and deacons and deaconesses, then indicate that in there. In the coming days, you'll see a button where you can, you can do that specifically. I want to say this a couple of times. Communication is really, really important. However it is that you want us to communicate with you, we need to know that. Some that we're reaching out to, we don't have correct emails for, correct phone numbers. Some of you don't have an email, and if you don't, you're probably not even watching, but it might be at some point you will. But we would love to know how to reach out to you by email, by phone number, um, letter, by address, whatever it is that you want us to, to communicate with you. Um, I do encourage you to come to the website regularly and, and, and check this. So there's the connect. Now, if you need help, which button are you going to push? You're going to push the help button. And when you push that, you'll see a form comes up where you can go there and say, this is how I need help. What kind of help? Well, maybe it's financial help. Maybe it's uh, emotional support. Uh, maybe you have uh, medications that you can't get to because you're in a category where you should stay home and not go out in public. Maybe you're out of milk and bread, and again, you're in that category where you shouldn't go to a grocery store. We have a team that is ready to serve you, but we can't serve you if we don't know what that is. And so please go to that help button and request that. Um, follow the church on Facebook. There's a button there um, where it says Facebook Live Video. All you have to do is click on that. In future weeks, that'll take you right where you need to go. If you click on that, you see there it walks you through streaming help, uh, how to do that. Um, we also have the messages are all still on there. If you click on the button listen, it'll take you to our sermons and you can spend some time doing that. Um, let's stay engaged this week. Visit the website regularly. And let me, let me throw this out there. Reach out to five people this week in, your, in this church family. It might be a text, it might be a phone call, it might be an email. Uh, don't visit. We're not encouraged to visit physically. But call. Call someone. Email someone. Text someone. I did some texting some, this morning to some different pastors. Literally, it's around the, the, our country. Just, I'm praying for you. How are you? And they've replied back and said, I'm good, or I'm this, or I need that. Let's just connect with one another. And we have a leadership team that is doing that intentionally. So you're going to get calls from your leaders, emails from your leaders. But let's do it to one another. Let's reach out and connect with one another. How can we stay empowered this week? How can we remember who we are, our identity? Well, First and foremost, come together as a family, not just this morning, but I would encourage you, if you're a part of a family, that you come together daily as a family with the intent of spending time in God's Word and prayer. I'm going to encourage you to turn off, turn off Netflix. I'm encouraging myself to turn off Netflix once in a while, turn off Amazon Prime, Hulu, whatever it is, and instead go to Right Now Media. 
Dads, husbands, go to Right Now Media and, and find some Bible studies on there. Or there's kids program, programming on there too. But however you do it, please let me strongly encourage you. It's more important than ever before. This is a moment where we can develop some good disciplines. Gather your family together on a daily basis. Whether you're, if you're not working and kids aren't in school, that presents itself pretty obviously. Some are still working. Some are working extra hours, longer hours. So it's going to be more challenging. But please, let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. Come together as a family each day for a time of prayer and Bible study. Use the family resource pack that Pastor Jeff is. He'll have a new one on there every week. There's not only um, notes for the kids to follow along, and adults you can use them because they're pretty good. There's also some fun things to do on there, some, some uh, quizzes, there's some things to color, and you'll find on there a family challenge. The family challenge might be drawing a picture, it might be making a video. You go there, you'll see what it is this week. Do it together as a family. Help your kids do it. We're gonna, there's a way for you to turn those in. We're going we're gonna to celebrate those. And we're going to acknowledge the ones that are exceptional and that people put effort and work into them. And we're going to share those together. So go and check that out, the family challenge. Come together as a family. I also want to prepare you for next Sunday when we come together at 1030. I want us to take communion together next Sunday. And so if you're head of a household, if you're the man or whoever, somebody in that household, prepare to lead next week in a time of communion. That means you need to have some elements. You need to have some juice. You need to have something for the juice and something for the bread. And in our time together next Sunday, as we move forward, we will still come together around the Lord's table. And we will, I will lead us, whoever is speaking that morning will lead us through. And wherever you're at, you'll be able to take that together. Is that okay? It is okay. As long as we're honoring Jesus and we're coming in the way that we're called to come, and that is with, with humble hearts, acknowledging our sin. It's not that we ever deserve to come to the table, We're asked to come to the table in a way that honors him, humbly confessing our sins. And so we will do that together um, starting next Sunday because that is a part of who we are. We are the body of Christ. I want to encourage you, if you're a part of um, our ministry teams, if you are serving in one of our ministry teams, you say, what do I do now? Because I'm in the nursery and obviously there's no nursery. nursery. I want to encourage you, if you're on a ministry team, reach out by phone or email to your ministry leader. And ask them, say, what do you want me to do? How can I serve? How can I make disciples? How can I live by faith, be known by love, be a voice of hope as a part of this church family? Ask your team leads. Say, do you want me to pray? Do you want me to do? What exactly is it that you want me to do? And I'm willing to do it. You will not only bless your team leads, you will also work to bring us together as a church family. Because here's the reality. Our identity has not changed in this moment. Can you say amen at home? I can't hear you, but... I saw, I got a thumbs up and an amen in the, in the video booth. Our identity has not changed. We are the family of God. We are the bride of Christ. We are his sons and daughters. We're no longer a slave to fear. We are the body of Christ. And what God is asking us, I'm confident of this, he's asking us as the body of Christ to not step away from what we know, whatever body part we are. He's asking us to, to take that truth, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, whatever we are in the body of Christ, and ask him, how do I function in this new set of circumstances so that the body of Christ remains being the body of Christ. Whatever your body part is, whatever your function is, our mission remains go and make disciples. Now the go looks different, doesn't it? Well, here's the truth. That, that word in the, he, in the Greek is as you go, make disciples. So as we go has changed, looks a little different, but not making disciples 
I want to encourage you family families that are gathered this morning, focus on making disciples in your home. Mom, dad, if you're a single parent, whatever it looks like, make disciples at home. Invest intentionally in your children. I know many of you, most of you are having to look at school differently. And what does it look like to equip, keep my child moving forward academically? I hope you're asking, how do I keep my child moving forward spiritually? How do I pour into them? How do we stay equipped this week? If you go back to the webpage, if you can see that the webpage comes up, there's a button that says grow. If you click on grow, it will take you to bringing Jesus into focus reading challenge. If you click on the challenge there, it will take you to a webpage that says bringing Jesus into focus and you'll see the week is listed there. You'll see March 22nd through the 28th. And when you get to that page, as we're trying to get there, and we'll get there in a second, it's coming. You may be ahead of us, but if you get there, you'll see that there's a scripture passage for each day of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So there's a passage for today, James chapter 1, and there's a couple of questions. Okay, our computer is not going there, so you're not going to see that on, on your screen. But if you go through those steps, I promise you it's there. You go to Bringing Jesus into Focus Reading Challenge, click on the, the white rectangle that says go to the challenge, and it'll bring you to that page. And there's a couple of questions there that you can ask. And you can use this for family devotions if you choose. You can use it for individual devotions. Make sure you're saturating your heart, your heart and your mind with the truth of God's Word. I know that you're bombarded with all kinds of other voices. From the media, from news, from reading, the internet. It's everywhere. It's unavoidable. I understand that. But the answer is not to shut that all off and go watch Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. It's to come to God's Word. And spend time in God's Word. Use this reading challenge. Use something to keep you in God's Word. I said it, I'll say it again. Download the family resource packet. Challenge your children. Work with your children to walk through this, to engage it throughout the coming week. I want to encourage you to go to rightnowmedia.org. If you don't have the login for that, you can reach out to, to Pastor Matt, which is Matt, M-A-T-T, at crossroadscarmichael.org. Send him an email. He will get you the information. If you don't have an account set up, get you on there. There is a ton of amazing material on there that you can use with your family as couples, husbands, and wives as individuals. So make sure you have Right Now Media. Right Now Media might need to move up I'm not saying get rid of Netflix and Amazon, but maybe right now media should be our first and then those others underneath it. Um, I want to encourage you not to forget about your discipleship workbook, the journey that we've been going through. We're thinking through what this is going to look like as we move forward and there's ways that we are looking at that we can help all of us move forward together. But don't forget that resource. It's an amazing study of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you have it, if you're in one of those classes, you have that material that you can use. And then finally, how can we stay encouraged this week? How can you and I stay encouraged? If I'm going to be a voice of hope in my world, in my neighborhood, in my family, in my marriage, with my grandkids and my children, I need to stay encouraged. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, I will be with you, and you all say it at home, always, even to the end of the age. He's never going to leave us. He's present in the storm. He's not freaked out. He's not afraid of the storm. And he's still the boss of the storm. I need to live in those truths to stay encouraged. What we see as a storm that we're walking through is really an opportunity to focus on reconnecting with one another. You know what God has done? And I'm not saying I like it, but here's what he's done. He's created margin for us. What are we going to do with it? 
He's created margin for us. Not everybody. Some are having a little more extra work. But for many of us, for a large segment of our society, God has stepped in and said, I'm going to give you margin. You're not going to get to do a lot of the things that you normally do. So now there's this space in our life. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it as the children of God, the family of God? I want to encourage you to use the margin that the storm is creating to reach out to one another. Use technology, use Facebook, use phone calls, use texting, and that thing where we used to write on pieces of paper and fold it up and put it in a little envelope, and the mail people are still coming to the, to the, the mailboxes and they're taking it. It takes a little longer, but we have so many tools that God's allowed us to have, and we have freedom to reach out. Use the margin that God has given us to connect with one another. Start in your marriage. Start with your family. Start with your neighborhood. Be a voice for those of you that are going to work. Be a voice at hope at work. Because we need to stay encouraged as we walk through this. I want to sing. I want to, and, and we're not going to have words up for this. But I think we can do this. I know we can do this. We have two amazing worship leaders that are going to come back up and Nate and Stacy are going to lead us. But where you're at, whatever your setting is, if you're at a, well, I guess you can't be at a Starbucks. I guess you can't be in a public place, so you're good. Wherever you, if you're alone, I want you to sing this out at the top of your lungs. If you're a family, divide up the harmonies and as a family, whatever it looks like, let's proclaim this truth that we are no longer slaves to fear. Let's sing this together and then allow me to read a blessing over us from First John and we'll be dismissed this morning. Let's sing this together.